From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Hello there, and thanks for inviting me into your home. Our good friend Rosemary Ellen Guiley is standing by at the bottom of the hour with our monthly Paranormal News Roundup. I always look forward to that. Rosemary will be joining me in Oshawa at the Regent Theatre Sunday, April the 26th for Follow the Truth 2, uh, my live conference. And uh, she's, she's going to fill us in on what she'll be doing at Follow the Truth. Uh, here's a hint. She'll be bringing something called a spirit box with her. Uh, I'll let her explain more, but um, uh, I think you can imagine what she'll be doing. The the, uh, the Regent Theatre dates back to the 1920s, the vaudeville era, and I'm thinking there must be a lot of paranormal activity there. Uh, speaking of vaudeville in the 1920s, you know, there was something that most physicians uh, used to carry in their little black uh, medical bag, uh, colloidal silver. Uh, it was quite... Uh, quite uh, popular back then for for many different ailments. Well known, uh, similar to cannabis oil. That's another medical item that has fallen out of favor. Uh, And actually that dates back to uh, around 1910 and the Flexner Report. Uh, Abraham Flexner was hired by uh, John D. Rockefeller and Carnegie. Uh, They sponsored this report on behalf of the American Medical Association to go around and standardize all of the medical colleges and universities throughout North America. And because, uh, of course, the pharmaceuticals uh, were made out of chemicals produced by Rockefeller and they wanted a monopoly, right? Remember Rockefeller? The greatest sin is competition. Uh, So the idea was that they would only uh, uh, credit colleges and universities, medical colleges, that used pharmaceuticals. And they convinced the AMA to stop funding all the the naturopathic um, medicine colleges, the ones that would have used colloidal silver and cannabis oil and herbal remedies and so forth. And that's why we're at where we are today, right, with Big Pharma and all the the medical schools. All they teach is is drugs, drugs, drugs. Uh, A little history lesson there. Anyway, um Colloidal silver, right? We're, we're going to talk about colloidal silver and, uh, it's, it's still out there. You can still buy it. It's approved, although the, the manufacturers aren't allowed to claim that it does this or it does that. Although anecdotally, people swear by it for everything. Bruce McBurney is a self-taught inventor, electrical and mo- motor mechanic, repairman, handyman, and according to the theory, all known bacteria and viruses are killed by colloidal silver. In fact, six, some 650 known bacterias are killed by colloidal silver. Uh, you may want to research that yourself. But all these ugly little things in your body all have positive charges, as everything in your body works on a small amount of electricity. So when you drink colloidal silver, which is which are minute uh, silver particles suspended in liquid. When you drink colloidal silver, which is a negative charge, it, it's attracted to these positive charges in your body, which are the, the bad guys. Bruce McBurney, how are you? Excellent. How are you doing? Very well. Last we spoke, we were talking about your 100 mile per gallon engine, and I got a lot of feedback on that. Excellent. About time that we get this technology on the market. Well, we shall see. That's a pretty tall order. I, I, I was, uh, uh, telling people that, uh, <laughs> Uh, the story of uh, Tom Ogle and what happened to poor Tom, of course. Um, the legend has it he uh, was or he was offered some big money uh, by Big Oil not to produce any more of his um, his uh, carburetors, his super efficient fuel injected engines, and he refused uh, because they said as long as you don't make any more, we'll pay you a million dollars. He refused, and of course he was found sometime later in the desert. So. Uh, you know, this is not for the faint of heart to attempt to do something like this. 
No, but if you take the idea that they're shooting our grandchildren in the head, uh, maybe we should get off the couch and do something. Uh, true enough. True enough. Yes, we all need... Uh Courage, that's that's for sure. Well, we have you on uh, today, Bruce, to talk about something entirely different. You wear many hats, and, and tonight we're going to talk about colloidal silver. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, in all my years on radio, I mean, I'm familiar with it somewhat, and I've, I've seen it uh, for sale and so forth, but I have never done a show on colloidal silver. So we're going to remedy that tonight, no pun intended. Let's start off with a basic definition. What is colloidal silver? Um, colloidal silver is an electrically charged particle in distilled water, and it gets broken down to a singular atom. And uh, the research says that colloidal silver can kill 98% of the bacteria known to man, handles about 650 different diseases. It's been around for 100 years or so. Uh, actually, it's been around for thousands of years, different things. Um, the Egyptians, they always knew about the silver. Alexander the Great uh, kept his water in silver-lined barrels to keep his troops strong. Uh, the people who crossed the prairies uh, in the covered wagons, the one that survived, put a few do- silver dollars in the water to keep the water fresh so the water wouldn't go bad on the long journey across the prairies. Um, in the Civil War, they would, the soldiers would keep a silver dollar, so if they got shot, they'd put that over the bullet hole. And uh, there's all kinds of different things. You, if you uh, milk, put milk in a silver pail or put a silver dollar in the milk, before refrigeration, the milk wouldn't go sour. And uh, they even found that the River Ganges, the holy river in India, that ups, you know, people have been healed in that for thousands of years, upstream in one of the tributaries, it crosses a silver vein. Oh, that's interesting, because I've always wondered, you know, you see people there, uh, their pilgrimages taking their uh, their baths in the uh, in the Ganges, rivers, Ganges River, and, and yet... You know, that's where the the funeral pyres are lined up, and they're dumping, uh, you know, b- dead bodies, partially burned bodies in there, and and it's 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 filthy. And yet, uh, you know, these these people are taking baths. So you're saying it's because it crosses over a silver well, a vein of silver. Years, there's been a little bit of silver leaching into the water, and if you do research on it, it you know, even at one part per million, you know, this stuff will kill stuff. You know. Um, I think it's three parts per million for E. coli, five parts per million for Streptococcus, and ten parts per million for fungus. Now, this you were talking about a silver dollar and and, uh, and and pure silver, but how does colloidal silver differ again from pure silver? Well, the fact that it's broken down using the electricity, so it's a singular silver atom. Uh, also, I found that 95% of the people out there making colloidal silver are making it the wrong way. Um, the uh, number one, they use a very low voltage electricity, and because distilled water does not conduct electricity, they put wa- uh, salt or vitamin C or some other impurity in the water to make an electrolyte, so it conducts. But once you put an impurity in the water, you don't get singular silver compound, uh, silver atoms. You get silver compounds. So instead of with salt, you would get silver chloride. Ah. If you put vitamin C, it would be silver acetate. Although I've never, I've never heard of uh, vitamin C uh, referred to as an impurity. But I, I, I well, know where you're going. I know where you're going with that. Yeah. If if it's going to join with that silver molecule atom, so that now it cannot permeate the cell membrane, it's disabling the effect of the silver. Now people say, "Oh no, that's crap," because I used low voltage silver and it worked. 
But the truth is, the product that you're, it does work, but the product that you're making is 80 to 90% compounds. Um, also, the other compound, because they use DC current, direct current, if you remember your chemistry days, electrolysis of water, you put two bars in the water, the oxygen goes to one, the hydrogen goes to the other. Well, with the silver, that bar that the oxygen goes to turns black, and the colloidal silver comes out yellow. And that's silver oxide, just like your silverware tarnishing, it turns yellow. So how does it, uh, first of all, let's, let's talk about how you make colloidal silver. Well, according to the research, it has to be used very high voltage. 2,000 volts is what I use. They say over at least over 1,000 volts. So that voltage has got power to punch through the distilled water. Um, I basically take a microwave oven and I throw away the magnetron and I use the high voltage that's coming from the, that was powering the magnetron and I feed that directly to the silver bars. The silver bars are hung in the middle of the microwave. You took, make, put a two-liter pitcher, uh, and it's a rotisserie microwave, so you put a two-liter pitcher full of, of distilled water in there, and it just slowly turns around, and basically the, the electricity goes from the, each bar. How much silver do you need? Well, it's about two, three ounces uh, to do it. Um, on, uh, well, I guess the most bars are about four ounces, two, two to three ounces a bar. Two to three ounces. So you're, you're looking at about $50, because uh, silver is around $17 an ounce right now. It's a good time to be making coital silver before uh, before it starts to take off. Well, it would be a good time that I could buy more bars. Yes. Just, you know. And, and how, much, how much coital silver can you make from two or three ounce bars? Um, well, I would say several thousand gallons. <laughs> several thousand? Yeah. And now if you go to the health food store, they want 30 to $50 for an eight-ounce bottle. So this is approved. How did they get it? How, how, is, how has it been approved? Well, uh, they, whatever through the government or whatever, I don't know. I basically uh, do mine. I say it's safe for all plants and animals, and my line is either you're a plant or an animal, and as long as you're not the wrong kind of plant, we'll get along fine. And you can't make, obviously, you can't make claims that it'll cure cancer or diabetes or... Uh, no, I, I basically, I do not prescribe, I do not diagnose, I simply supply information and I supply products. And so it, it, we're talking t- uh, two, maybe three parts per million? Well, uh, yeah, n- no, in the health food store, they usually make it about ten parts per million. And... Uh, I make mine a little stronger because I like looking after my customers. All right. And and, and how do you sell yours? Uh, $48 a liter, $30 for a half, uh, $18 for the 250 milliliter. And 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 where do, you, where do you get that? Where do we get that? Well, I have different stores selling it, or I sell it on my home here. And uh, basically different people around uh, have, you know, started using it themselves, and then they turn all their family onto it. And, you know, have people like a little Amway business where they just buy it from me and just resell it. And just been a kind of a networking thing because, uh, see, I went on the TV show Dragon's Den. Yes, I remember that. And uh, basically I had a, another thing is I, I do the colloidal gold as well. Now, maybe 10% of the population knows about the silver. Maybe only 2% knows about the colloidal gold. The colloidal gold is listed for anxiety, depression, fear, frustration, melancholy. It helps alcoholics, drug addicts, and people that are suicidal. 
Um, the colloidal gold is also documented by the Meridian Institute to increase your IQ by 10 to 30%. Where can I get me some? <laughs> well, I'm one of the few people that actually do it. It's very rare to find. Uh, well, I, you're talking almost 1300 an ounce for a... Uh, yeah, well, I, I charge $40 for a half a liter. Okay. And usually I can't keep it in stock. I'm just, you know, people start using it. Um, the colloidal gold is great for... Um, Anybody that's got mental issues, I personally believe that all these guys, PTSW, you know, the, the post-traumatic stress disorder, Yes, I think they've got a gold deficiency. A gold deficiency? Yeah. Now, that's interesting. I've never, ever, in all my years, heard that before. I mean, it's when we talk about the essential nutrients and minerals that we need, we, you know, manganese and chromium and things mm -hmm. like that, and lithium, I've never heard of a gold deficiency. So, I mean, how, how much gold... Uh, should we have in this? And I'm not talking about our fillings. Well, actually, uh, that's another thing. People that wear gold chains and everything are a lot more mellow, and the gold does much better in your teeth. The gold should not be sitting in Fort Knox. They should have used that all in people's teeth rather than. There's no gold in Fort Knox. Bruce. Well, you know, what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I got to take a time out. Uh, right. Let me just remind folks. Bruce McBurney is here, inventor. You've heard him on this program before, talking about his 100 mile per gallon engine. Now, he's talking about colloidal silver. Back with more of the Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Do not go away. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are back with Bruce McBurney, inventor. And uh, give us a website, Bruce, where we could uh, we can find this colloidal silver and colloidal gold. Well, I didn't put anything on the website because after I went on the TV show with my nano water, yes. which is a combination of silver and gold, and have you ever heard anybody say 80% of diseases are from the mind? Like, when you're sad or you're depressed, it's easy to get sick. When you're happy, you're in love, the germs bounce off you. That's true. I think your emotional system's tied to your immune system. I agree. I agree. Well, I came up with this, putting this 25% uh, colloidal gold and 75% colloidal silver, and I call it precious metals nanowater. And it's been amazing. And I went on the TV show Dragon's Den, and I told him it was curing cancer because the literature says it does. The people who have used it says it does. We have a published study on the United Kingdom stating it does. Okay, let me stop you there. This is because this is important. People love to hear about peer-reviewed studies, and I love to talk about them uh, as well. Uh, and they can be very political, as we know. However, so there are there peer-reviewed studies? Not basically pharmacia peer-review studies, but independent studies. The only uh, university in the entire United States is uh, in Utah that's doing anything with colloidal silver. Everybody else, every other, because the drug companies want nothing to do with it. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, and actually I have a published study I can email to anybody that come, email, goes to my website. Now, my website is all on 100 miles per gallon, uh, but if they drop me an email from the website, I can send them information on silver or gold, and I also have an interesting file where the U.S. government did a study showing colloidal silver kills Ebola. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, so I interrupted. Back to the dragon's den. Yeah, so basically after I went on the dragon's den, I got a letter from the Canadian government threatening me with 14 years in jail and a three-quarters of a million dollar fine. 
for what? making for making a medical claim. Ah. Now the way it works, according to the Canadian government, it would not matter if I had ten thousand people diagnosed with a disease, ten thousand people certified they use my product, and all ten thousand people diagnosed clean. I still can't say it'll cure anything until the medical community says it does. Right, and that's not going to happen. No, it's basically we're in a controlled system as far as that goes. And But I just basically think, just like I want to get the truth on 100 mile per gallon, I want to get the truth on this. Why do people have to suffer and die on this planet for greed? All right, so let's talk about the anecdotal evidence, either that you know of personally or from studies. What are what are the claims? And these are uh, I have to say it because I'm you know these are public airwaves and I'm on the radio here. I have to say these are claims. I can't. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that this cures cancer. No, um, it's how you can I can only say it's alleged to cure. Cancer. Yes. Okay. So what what are these allegations then? Well, a couple of years ago in the United Kingdom, they had a research study and it came on and it says research has proven colloidal silver to be far more effective than any chemotherapy with no negative side effects. Um, the science behind it is cancer is a fungus, and colloidal silver kills fungus. It's documented. They know it'll kill fungus. So, And you can put it on plants or anything else, and it won't harm the plant, and it'll just kill that fungus. All cancers are fungus. Well, they're all tie-related. They're basically the DNA of the fungus and that. There's a lot of people that are coming out with this information. Now, this is what the statement is. There was an Italian, Dr. Ciccone. He was using baking soda. Yes, I've heard about that. Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of people that research and say, yes, it's a, the, it's a, it's a form of a fungus. But see, you got to understand, cancer is a concept word. It's like saying, that's a lovely forest. Well, you can have a forest full of maple trees or evergreen trees or coconut trees. It's still a forest. Right. Well, what kills the maple trees may not kill the evergreens. What kills the evergreens may not kill the coconut trees. So there'll be, you know, not, there's not one thing that'll kill all cancers. And basically, certain ones work very well for certain types of cancers. Okay. How do you take it? You just uh, a spoonful a day, like well, uh, castor supposed, liver oil, or yeah, you're not supposed to put it on a metal spoon or a metal container because an electrically charged particle is supposed to discharge it. So you put it in a little shot glass and just put it in your mouth, rinse it around. They say hold it in your mouth for a while and let it absorb sublingual. Yes. Um, you can also spray it on a cut, scratch, or burn. Within minutes, the pain level drops. With sunburns, you won't even peel. Uh, it's so safe, you can spray it in your wide open eyes. It's alleged to cure pink eye. I've had people claim it'll cure pink eye in two days, where regular medicine takes a week. I've had people claim that it helped their uh, macular degeneration and glaucoma. It's just been a miracle thing for so many different things. And I can understand why the drug companies are scared of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I say if the truth got on a colloidal silver, they'd probably lose about half their business. And if the truth got on a colloidal gold with all these people taking antidepressants and everything else, they'd lose another 20%. So uh, is it a preventative as well? I mean, do you, do you? let's say you don't have cancer. Let's say you don't have macular degeneration, but the, both of those things run in your family. Uh, do you, do you I, take I it as a preventative? I, I, I would believe it is in my own mind, but I have, you know, like I haven't had a cold or flu in 10 years. And I basically used to have colds and flus all the time. And how do you, so you take it every day? Hey, every day I have a little shot of it. If I get a little heartburn or something in the afternoon, I'll have another little shot. Here's the weird thing, too. I've had bad heartburn. I went into a, a, a fast food restaurant, we'll just say, and I come out and, I, and, and then a little while later I got the heartburn. Well, I just have my little thing of silver and I had a little half a shot. 
And a little while later, I had another half a shot, and the heartburn's all gone. And I used to be ulcers. I used to have ulcers, IBS, and had bleeding ulcer at one point, but it's all all basically gone. And I'm, you know, I'm 60 years old, and I feel like I'm going to live to 150 if they don't shoot me for knowing how to live to 150. <laughs> Bruce McBurney is with us. We're talking about coital silver. Give us the website so people can get a hold of you. HIMACresearch.com. Him Acre Search is another way of reading it. So H I M A C, and then the word research. All research. H I M A C research dot com. com. Right. Now, also, I put free plans on YouTube. HiMac Movie Man. All one word. Free movies on how to make your own coil yep. silver. How, oh, how to make a machine to make it properly. Ah, okay. And how do you store it? In glass bottles. Uh, originally, I was using a little two-ounce plastic bottle, but I found the silver is so fine, it would go into the plastic and lower the strength. Ah, interesting. And, and um, how, do you make, how are you making your distilled water? Oh, I just simply buy distilled water, and then I have a, a TDS meter to check the quality of it. A TDS? A total dissolved solids. It basically okay. will read the parts per million of what's in the water, and if you've got distilled water, it'll read zero, zero, zero. All right. And so, I mean, you've got this, this, uh, adapted, uh, you've adapted a microwave oven. You've taken the magnetron out. Mm-hmm. There's you, no microwave. Using the high voltage, uh, to, uh, to, to, um, to generate the maximum, I guess, amount of electricity, the electrical charge you can. Yeah, so the, the, wa- the electricity is going through the water and the bars are in the water. Okay. What do you do with the silver after you've, you figured it's pretty well spent? Well, it's, if it's spent, it's, it's very much left. Oh, I see. It's it's basically dissolved. It literally disappears. It will. You, know, you can have a bar that's starting out with half an inch wide, an eighth of an inch thick, and when you're done, it's, you know, a sixteenth of an inch by a quarter of an inch. And then how did you figure out the, the various recipes? You mentioned, you know, three parts per million is good for this, and five well, parts per million. that's all published research. It is. Yeah. I have uh, almost six or seven different books on it. On, on the colloidal silver and, you know, silver and rife disease and Lyme's disease. And, you know, there's so many different things that it's uh, been applied for. It's it's wonderful for somebody with asthma. They seem to not have asthma after a couple of weeks, and I wonder if asthma is a silver deficiency. You know, and it's like, why you can have all these minerals in these vitamins. Why does no vitamins contain silver or gold? That's true. That's true. What, what, there, is there any downside? Can you owe, Can you take too much? Well, the story is that uh, if you take too much, you turn blue. And there was a guy on Oprah, and they paraded him around, and his skin turned blue. But you come to find out that he made it the wrong way, the low-voltage way, and he drank a quart a day at 800 parts per million. Wow. He effectively overdosed 2,400 times the prescribed dosage. Uh, aside from a cosmetic uh, change, can you, hurt your, can you harm your liver, your kidneys? Uh, as far as I know, you can't. Uh, he said even though he turned blue, he wouldn't quit because it cured his asthma, his arthritis, his dermatitis, and his heartburn. And is it reversible, that skin condition? There are doctors saying it, uh, it, it is not, and there are other doctors saying, yes, it is reversible. So, I mean, are you worried that the government is, I mean, the, the, the conservative government uh, has, has passed a number, and let's face it, all the parties have been on board with these uh, you know, clamping down on naturopathic medicine. They're now they're now 
categorizing certain foods as drugs. Uh, I, I, and they're, they're apparently hiring and deputizing, um, you know, thousands of people to, uh, to go into homes and I guess arrest parents if they feed their children blueberries. <laughs> I mean, I'm being somewhat facetious, but I actually had a lawyer, uh, uh talk to me about this. He, he went through this piece of legislation. I can't remember the name of the bill. Um, I think you know what I'm on about. Yeah, I've seen some of the things coming down on the government, and we do not have democracy. We have corporate dictatorship. Well, I've been told uh, on good authority that uh, the employees at Health Canada uh, are instructed, and these are the people that are supposed to uh, oversee you know, the safety of foods and drugs and so forth, uh, they are to refer to the drug companies uh, as clients. They refer to them as clients rather than, you know, they're supposed to be helpless, you know, safeguarding us against them. They're yeah, the clients. We're the real clients. We're the chattel. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I mean, are you concerned or ha- ha- are there any rumors or whispers going around that there's going to be a clampdown on coital silver? I don't know and I don't care. I'm going to do the right thing. If it costs me, if they're going to put me in jail, I'm going to do the right thing. I mean, when I did the carburetor, if they want to kill me, I'll wake up in heaven and say, well, Lord, what's next? If they want to arrest me, they're going to have a lot of mean grandmas pissed at them because I've got a lot of people that have been helped so much with this stuff. Give us a few case studies uh, that, that you've dealt with directly. We just have a couple of minutes here, Bruce, just uh, a couple of case studies. Um, well, one with Alzheimer's, the guy basically was so uh, bad he couldn't remember one day to the next, got him on the nanowater a month later, he's remembering, hey, we were here yesterday. Uh, I guess with Alzheimer's, they wake up in the morning and they don't even know to get dressed. Three months after on my nanowater, a guy, was, a guy wakes up and... Uh, 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 fellow's uh, Alzheimer patient is fully dressed, sitting on the couch, teeth brushed, and ready to go. Wow. Yeah, and he's remembering things and coming back. Um, I had one girl who was postpartum depression when the babies were born. Yes. Uh, the one fellow said, when my first baby was born, she was terrible. When the second baby was born, I was just worse. When I heard she was pregnant for the third child, I knew I was going to get murdered or divorced. He got after the baby was born, got her on the gold, mellowed her right on, everything was fine, great, everybody. And she, actually funny, because the baby's about three, four years old now, she came by last summer, and she said, you know, I, I want some more gold, but I got a question. She says, can you get addicted to this stuff? And I looked at her, and I says, why, what do you mean? She says, well, when I'm not on it, I get testy. And I looked at her, and I smiled, and I said, but weren't you testy before you ever got on it? <laughs> and she says, yes. And I says, ah, oh, you were always a sweet little girl. You just had a gold deficiency. There you go. Wow. Uh, remarkable. Remarkable claims. I mean, obviously, I have to to, uh, to advise people to seek out the uh, the advice of their physician. Now, mm-hmm. that we, now that we got that out of the way, Bruce, i got to get my hands on some of this stuff. <laughs> Is it good for arthritis? Well, the gold is good for the rheumatoid arthritis, and the silver is good for uh, osteo. Okay. I have a video on a lady enthralled uh, with the arthritis, and I'm scared to put it on the Internet. It is such a powerful video. Wow. Within 10 minutes of her taking it, you know, she's doing finger dances where, you know, before she could only pick up the glass with two hands. Remarkable. Bruce, we're going to talk about this some more uh, at a later date. This is important. Yeah, this is amazing. Everybody needs to know the truth. My doctor never heard of it. My pharmacist never heard of it. They're all trained by the drug companies. There you go. Bruce McBurney, inventor and uh, maker of coital silver, coital gold, nano water, and the website again is himacresearch.com. Thanks, Bruce. Talk soon. Thank you very much. 
Paranormal News Roundup with Rosemary Ellen Guiley when The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is one of the leading experts on the paranormal with more than 50 books. In fact, I think it's closer to 60 now. 50 or 60 books published by major houses on a wide range of paranormal, spiritual, and mystical topics, including nine single-volume encyclopedias. Her work is her work is translated into 15 languages. She's worked full-time in the paranormal since 1983, researching, investigating, writing, and presenting her teaching. She joins us once a month for our Paranormal News Roundup. Hey, Rosemary, how are you? I'm doing well, Richard, getting ready to go out on the road. It's time to start uh, the events for 2015, and I have a lot lined up starting with Los Angeles. Oh, L.A. in uh, January, February. Well, that's <laughs> that's a good time to get out of snowy Connecticut, I'm sure. It certainly is. We just got uh, hammered. Uh, not too badly in our end. We didn't get as bad as the coast. No, that was, uh, well, it was projected to be far worse, so... Uh, um Thank God that uh, you know you didn't get uh, slammed too hard. Listen, I'm I'm also very excited because we're bringing you up uh, to uh, Oshawa for my Follow the Truth conference in April, and you're going to be bringing your spirit box with you. Tell us a little bit about that. Actually, I'm going to bring two of them with me because I uh, I've got two of the best in the industry, and one is called the Mini Box, and the other is called the SB11. And uh, they both operate on the same principle. They use radio scan, rapid radio scan, to generate a noise background, a jumbled sound uh, made from bits and pieces of the broadcast that enables spirit voices to manifest. And the uh, voices sort of use the sound like a painter would use canvas to, to form something, to form words. And they've been very effective in paranormal investigations and other kinds of uh, paranormal cases. I have been using them uh, since 2006, and I've tried uh, many different models. I've had original boxes made by Frank Sumption. I've used um, what was called the Shack Hack, uh, modified uh, radios uh, manufactured by Radio Shack, and some others that were made by inventors. And I found that these two are uh, the best in terms of getting results. So what I'll be doing is a demonstration of these devices and um, uh, if we have a chance to uh, go around uh, the uh, the theater, because I understand there's activity there, uh, we might be able to pick up on some very interesting uh, EVPs. Uh, sometimes the, the voices manifest in real time, and you can carry on a dialogue with these devices. Well, that would be interesting. Actually short, uh, right. Yeah, it would be very interesting. And then you also get what I call passive EVP. Uh, if you record the session, then there's always going to be additional spirit voices chiming in uh, on playback. 
So very interesting devices that many paranormal investigators have gotten fantastic evidence with. Well, this is uh, Follow the Truth 2, our second conference. Uh, and again, we're uh, holding it at the Regent Theatre up in Oshawa. Now, this is a beautifully old, restored theatre that dates back to at least the vaudeville era. So uh, I'm, I'm guessing there'll be lots of uh, spirit activity. You know the old saying, if these walls could talk, and I'm sure, and we're hoping that they will. What's the difference uh, between these? You have two types of spirit boxes. Uh, do you, I mean, why the two different models? Well, every inventor sort of brings his own take to uh, the technology. And uh, the SB-11 is much more compact and smaller. Uh, than The mini box is... Um, uh, I can't think of something to compare it to, but um, let's put it this way. The SB-11 is, is about the size of a, a big transistor radio, and it's very lightweight. Uh, it has a few more modalities. Uh, there are different kinds of scans that are programmed into these uh, boxes, scanning up and down the band wave, uh, always up, always down, popping around. Uh, the mini box has algorithms programmed into it that, uh, vary the scans every time you you turn it on, and uh, the SB11 has the uh, interesting capability of running the scan but on a mute, so uh, you don't uh, uh, you can filter out the the radio sound in the background, which um, technically makes it then easier for the spirit voices to to show up. And um, uh, investigators have had uh, varying successes with that. I like to hear the sound in the background because I think um, that augments it to have those sound waves going on. Um, but that's an interesting feature. Okay. And Listen, sorry, let, let me jump in. We'll, we'll take a time out. We'll come back and uh, we'll uh, we'll do our paranormal news roundup. And time permitting, we can talk a little bit more about of these spirit boxes. Rosemary Ellen Guiley right here on The Conspiracy Show coming to Follow the Truth April 26th at the Region Theatre. Back with more in a moment. There's smoke. There's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are back with Rosemary Ellen Guiley preparing for our, our monthly uh, paranormal news roundup. And we have some great stories, including something called, now get this, it's called Walking Corpse Syndrome. I kid you not. The official name is uh, Cotard's Syndrome, but we'll talk about that. Uh, the creepy saga of a diabolical uh, devil, also known as the Monkey Man, uh, out of England. And uh, another story uh, out of England, many, many sightings of Slender Man, which is a global phenomenon, but uh, a spate of sightings, uh, about four in the last month, in a mining town in the Midlands uh, in England. But uh, let's just step back for a moment and, and chat a little bit more about this spirit box you'll be bringing to Oshawa at my Follow the Truth conference in April. Uh, now, first of all, are you going to have any trouble bringing these devices across border? You know, post 9-11, I'm thinking, you know, they look at all this equipment uh, very seriously now, uh, radio equipment and all these doodads and dials and so forth. 
They do, and you, uh, they do look rather strange and suspicious. But so far, I haven't had uh, the security personnel uh, question me about the devices, uh, other than a "What's this for?" Uh, but um, you know, they run it through the um, the testers for um, uh, you know bomb material, explosives, uh, as well as the X-ray. So far, I haven't had anybody try and take it apart. Uh, that would not be a, a good idea. Uh, but, um, you know, we'll see. And, All right. Uh, fingers crossed. Yes, excellent. Well, looking forward to it. This is going to be exciting. Okay, let's, uh, uh, let's talk about uh, Slender Man. Uh, this is, I mean, how long has have these Slender Man stories uh, been going around? I'm guessing hundreds of years. Well, actually, they have, even though uh, the case has been made that Slender Man is a fictional phenomenon that only dates back about five or six years, having been created on the Internet as uh, a fictional character. But, you know, Richard, fiction mimics reality, and sometimes um, these creators, especially of paranormal and supernatural things, they tap into something that they may not even be aware that they're tapping into something real. And Slender Man, this, this tall, thin, darkly clothed, menacing man, uh, is a phenomenon that goes back a very long time. It's related to uh, appearances of the devil, the man in black, dark fairies, uh, the shadow person phenomenon, and uh, is related uh, in many ways by characteristics to another fairly recent phenomenon, the black-eyed children and black-eyed adults. These are scary experiences, and what happened in England is very characteristic of cases that I have collected for years that um, that fall under the shadow person label. Uh, sometimes uh, these figures have uh, red eyes. Uh, one of the f- uh, persons in England described as having fangs. Occasionally, um, the black-eyed children are described as having saw teeth. And these are supernatural entities. I, um, personally, I believe they're forms taken by jinn or demonic entities, and they shape-shift into scary forms that they know are going to terrify people. This has been going on for centuries. Well, it's also somewhat related to the old hag syndrome because there is uh, some question as to whether or not the people that are, are seeing Slender Men uh, are, in fact, suffering from some type of sleep paralysis uh, they will often feel this, you know, this feeling of dread, uh, as if, uh, and also as if someone is, uh, you know, sitting on their chest, and and um, it's, it's difficult to breathe. They hear strange scratching noises. I mean, we, we've heard all of these things associated with the old hag syndrome. And uh, you're you're right. Many of them are bedroom invasion kinds of experiences. People uh, have these false awakenings. Uh, sometimes they're uh, it's an experience that happens in kind of a dreamlike state, or they literally awaken from sleep, and they've got that uh, paralysis feeling going uh, where they're unable to move and uh, and cry out. Uh, skeptics have said, well, uh, sleep paralysis happens to us every night uh, when we sleep, so this is just um, part of a nightmare that people are having. I think it goes beyond that, and uh, these entities know about our dream cycles, and they know the most vulnerable time to strike. And we are at our most vulnerable uh, when we're in this uh, sleep paralysis kind of condition. So it's it's all part of a syndrome of uh, demonic invasive attacks that supernatural entities have been able to do 
throughout the ages. Um, I, you know, people ask me, is Slender Man real? Slender Man is real. The name Slender Man might have been created by a guy doing fiction, but he was describing a very real phenomenon. Well, it's interesting because it is so cross-cultural. It goes by so many different names. The Scots have a name for it, Fear, Fear Dub, the Dark Man. The Dutch dubbed him Takenman, Branch Man. Germany, he's referred to as Der Grossmann, the Tall Man. So anytime you have something that, that goes by you know so many different names cross-culturally, I'm always thinking there must be a kernel of truth to it. But here now in the Midlands, four recent sightings, including a particularly frightening episode in a little town in the in the Midlands called Canuck Chase. Um, and uh, a woman uh, who awoke at 2 a.m. again to the old odd scratching noises in her bedroom. Uh, tell us about her encounter. Oh, Richard, you've got me at a disadvantage. Oh. I can't remember exactly what happened to her. Okay, sorry. Um, uh, eight uh, feet tall we, uh... in her bedroom, white face, razor-sharp fangs... Um, oh, she was the one with the fangs. Yeah, and it started off as a sphere. In her oh, bed. right, right. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I rem- remembered all the experiences, but I couldn't remember which one happened to who. Sorry. Uh, so do you want to... Uh, yeah, let me ask you that again. Just ask me again. Okay. So here we have uh, a spate of four sightings uh, within the last month or two, all in the Midlands area of England, and in particular, a very frightening episode that happened in a town called Canuck Chase, where a woman woke up at 2 a.m. to uh, the sound of these odd scratching noises in her bedroom. Tell us what happened. Uh, well, she heard these scratching noises, and then uh, she was aware of this shadow that was sort of shaped like a sphere or a ball, and it was by the edge of her closet. Uh, that's almost uh, always where these entities like to hang out. They like to come out of closets and they'll come out like balls or like little monsters or these big, big tall figures. And that's exactly what happened to this ball. It started to stretch and it stretched way up um, toward the ceiling and it took on a face. Um, now, oftentimes people will not see faces, but uh, she saw a face. She actually saw a white face and with these fangs. Uh, and it was terrifying to her, and it was like this um, this entity was floating, um, you know, in the room around her, uh, very menacing. Uh, and uh, there are similar experiences described by people uh, all over the planet. She said that this thing was about eight feet tall. That's what I find with the shadow people descriptions where people say uh, it looks like a man wearing a, uh, a tall, a, a tall man wearing a cape or a hat, um, and they say uh, usually six to eight feet tall. So um, again, uh, the same characteristics for a universal phenomenon. Another thing that's interesting about these cases in England is the mining that's gone on in the area, and areas that have underground tunnels, um, mine locations, subterranean caves, things like that. Uh, often are uh, centers of paranormal activity. Old folklore, the entities come up through the tunnels, but there's probably something uh, in the ore and um, the, the contents that are being mined out of the earth that have an energy that enables to uh, 
it, it's enabling to these beings. It attracts them and energizes them. Hmm. Listen, um, we're not going to have time to get to the uh, the Monkey Man story. We'll save that for another time. But I do want to take some time, the time that remains, to discuss. This is a weird one. I have never heard of this before. It's it's known as the Walking Corpse Syndrome, and uh, a, a case of a, a teenager who suffered from this for the the past three years. Tell me about this Cotard Syndrome. What is it, Rosemary? Extremely rare. It's where uh, people feel that they are literally dead or that parts of their body have died. And uh, it's uh, an abnormality in the brain, uh, and uh, people literally can lose feelings in parts of their body. Uh, They go numb, and they think that those parts don't exist anymore. They've died. People even think that they stink like the dead. And uh, this poor uh, girl... Uh, thought that she was dead, and uh, she felt that, uh, you know, maybe she didn't even have to eat because she was dead. She started being fascinated by graveyards and that the people were buried in graveyards were her relatives, her family. She wanted to go be with them, to spend time in graveyards. She started watching zombie films, and uh, this could be an interesting explanation for certain zombie conditions uh, where people... Uh, start to deteriorate and, and uh, because they don't eat and they become increasingly um, mentally dissociative, uh, they would act like zombies. And uh, maybe this is one of the basis for uh, a lot of zombie lore that we have. That's an excellent but point. Oddly, yeah. uh, oddly she uh, she's recovered now, and she used Disney films as part of her therapy. And I thought that was a real interesting twist that there was something that um, awakened a lot of emotion in her by watching happy Disney films. And uh, so now she's on the road to recovery. Now, it's it's interesting that uh, you mentioned, uh, in some cases, the sufferers from this walking corpse syndrome will stop eating. Uh, and there have been cases where they, uh, victims have actually starved to death. Well, yes, because they literally think they're dead or they don't need food anymore. And uh, it can be very difficult to, to get some of them to eat. And so uh, here again we have this, uh, this image uh, that's popularized uh, in the media uh, with the walking dead, the zombies. They're raggedy, uh, decaying um, corpses that, uh, you know, have literally lost, they have no minds, they've lost their minds. And uh, we find this mirrored in real life in these real conditions. So did one feed the other? Did, did, do these real-life conditions uh, fuel the myth behind zombies? I'm guessing it's quite rare, but, I mean, how, many, uh, how, how rare is it? How many, I mean, well, is it, it was first documented in the 18th century, and it was named in the 19th century. So that's really a fairly recent uh, development in, in uh, medical science. The condition could have um, it could be much older than that, and just not have been, uh, you know, diagnosed by uh, the medical establishment. Any known cause? Uh, it's an abnormality in the brain, and uh, it creates a literally a, a, a mental um, a condition. Uh, that has to be treated um, by uh, medical science, by psychotherapy, um, and um, uh, people have this illusion. They're, they are under an illusion which has physical effects. Uh, the body actually has physical symptoms to it. Well, it's a strange one, Rosemary. Spe- 
It's a strange one to be sure. Uh, it, listen, it certainly is. Uh, we'll talk next month, and um, again, very excited. You're coming up in uh, April to join us at Follow the Truth uh, in uh, April 26 at the Region Theatre in Oshawa with your spirit boxes in tow, and hopefully we'll capture some spirit voices on tape. In the meantime, people can learn all about you and your 60 books, I think you're up to now, at visionaryliving.com. Thanks, Rosemary. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Richard. Good night. Good night. All right, that's it for us. Hope you enjoyed the program. Back next week with a brand new one. Hope you'll be along for the ride. My thanks to Ian Robertson, Tim Spreen, Albert Vinzel, and all of you for listening at home. Don't forget, follow the Truth 2 conference coming up April 26th. Order your tickets and uh, more details online at www.followthetruth.tv. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, and what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.